So we are right in the middle of our series called Objections. And this is part two here today. And every once in a while in our lives, we kind of run into a bit of an objection. We kind of begin to disagree a little bit with God about maybe the way he's handling something. And um, just to kind of illustrate how this might work, um, my son Landon, who's eight years old, has a huge objection when someone burps. He hates when people burp. And it's so strange, and it's really bad because my son, who's 12, all he does is burp. And so we have this little war going on in our house. And when someone burps, Landon objects by covering his ears and going, ew, that's so disgusting, and running to the other side of the room. Now, I'm trying to help Landon understand that people are going to burp the rest of his life and that he's got to get past this, okay? So my little kind of strategy with him is when this happens and he freaks out, I say, Landon, we got to get past this, and here's what I tell him. This is my new strategy. I say, Landon, you got to find the good. Find the good in this situation. So, for example, if Cade burps and it grosses you out, I want you to think about the good about Cade, about what a great brother he is, how he plays baseball with you, how he makes movies with you, what a sweet and kind older brother you have. Find the good. So that's always the plan. So we're at Ciro's this past week, and we're eating, and Cade burps, and Landon freaks out. You know, he freaks out. I said, Landon, we've got to get past this, right? You've got to find the good, okay? And so fast forward about 10 minutes. Now, don't tell him I said this, but... Here he is all grossed out about burping. He's the most disgusting eater you've ever eaten around, okay? This kid's got a chicken parmesan piece of pizza, and he's, like, picking up the chicken with his fingers. He, like, takes up the whole thing, takes a bite, rips off the cheese, throws it back. I mean, it just looks disgusting, right? So about 10 minutes into him eating, my daughter, Brynn, looks at his plate and goes, Landon, that's disgusting. And Landon looks at her and goes, Brynn, you got to get past this. (laughs) He goes, find the good, I hate it as a parent when your kids use your own words against you. It's terrible. But I'm trying to help him get past his objection. And the goal of this series is to help you get past your objections when it comes to God. Sometimes we just have these objections. An objection is defined as this. You guys could check this out on the screens with me. An objection is a feeling of disapproval, a reason for disagreeing. And sometimes we disagree with God. We disapprove of how he's handling things. And in this series, our goal is to kind of talk about three different scenarios when this happens. And last week, we looked at the objection of pain. We looked at how we suffer sometimes. And when we suffer, when we run into pain, sometimes we object to that pain. And we say, God, how can you be good and let this happen? How can you love me and let this happen? And last week, I just tried to encourage you that Jesus is the answer to our objection of pain. Jesus came. He was pure and innocent. He never never deserved pain. You and I deserve it because of the way we live, right? Because of the sin in our lives, Jesus was perfect, and yet he entered into our pain, and he suffered, and he died in our place. And not only that, he can look you in the eye and say, I understand your pain, and the Scripture tells us he wants to help us through it. And so last week we saw Jesus is the answer to our objection of pain. Tonight we're going to look a little bit at the objection of unanswered prayer. It's when we're crying out to God to do something, and the opposite happens. Or we're crying out to God, and nothing happens. So we're going to talk about how we work through that. And then next week we're going to look about the objections that we sometimes have with God's word. So we're reading the Bible, and suddenly something happens, and we say, wait, how could God allow that? Why would that be in the Bible? Or we are reading this verse, and it seems to contradict that verse. How do we work through all that? And the reason that this is so important is because I think we've all seen that there are times in our lives these objections can kind of build a wall between us and God, right? I know for me that happens sometimes. The objections in my life build a wall between me and God. And and they're not always like this huge catastrophic wall. Sometimes they're a wall just enough to kind of get in the way. Some of you guys are feeling that right now. You wouldn't say, oh man, I'm nowhere near God. I'm not close to him at all. I mean, you're on church on a Sunday night. That's a good step. Here you are. So obviously, you're in some way, shape, or form still pursuing God. 
But maybe there's a wall built by an objection that's keeping you from being as close as you could be. And then there are those of us in the room who maybe an objection is almost taking us out. It is almost wiping our faith out completely. That was my story for years when I, you know, all the evidence CD set stuff is all about that. For years, objections about God's word, about unanswered prayer, about pain and suffering, these three things almost completely wiped out my faith in God. And so I understand the dynamics. Whether you have a little wall built up in your life or a huge wall, that can be the potential when we don't deal with the objections in our lives toward God. Tonight, I want to talk about this objection of unanswered prayer and, and again, this is when we're praying and we're believing God to do something and we're not getting an answer or at least we're not getting the answer we want. See, the truth is there's really no such thing as unanswered prayer, right? Jesus is always answering prayer. It's just that he doesn't always answer it the way we want, right? And so he's always either saying yes, no, or wait. And I think when we use the term unanswered prayer, we're referring to when Jesus is saying no or wait, Right? Whenever we get the yes, we're like, yes, God answered my prayer. But the no's and the wait's kind of mess with us a little bit. And rightfully so, they're really discouraging times. It's really difficult when, when God is seemingly saying no or wait, or maybe it just feels like he's not saying anything at all. And so this is when we ask God to heal somebody, and he, ha- he or she hasn't been healed yet. This is when we ask God to provide for us. God, I need, a, I need the scholarship. I want to get to college and get a job. I need the scholarship, and it doesn't come through. Or God, help us be able to get the mortgage for the house. Or God, is this the time that you want us to begin saving for our kids' futures? It's like, yeah, when is that ever going to happen on Long Island, man? It's so expensive and it always seems like something goes wrong and it feels like I got nothing in the bank. God, I'm, I'm fearful about my future. Just provide and it seems like we don't see anything change. Or maybe you're just saying, God, just speak to me. I just need to hear from you in a fresh way. I mean, we, we serve a God who loves to speak to us, but sometimes it's just like, man, it's been a while, God. And we wait a little bit, and we pray, and we kind of do all the things we know to do, and yet he still seems a little bit quiet. Or maybe we've asked God to deliver us from something. It's like, all right, God, please, let this be the year I stop struggling with this. Let this temptation just go away this year, please, God. And yet we still are tempted, and that can be so discouraging. Or maybe we ask God, God, just lead me and direct me. Speak to me. Am I supposed to go to that college? Am I supposed to get this job? Am I supposed to get married? Am I supposed to get in that relationship? Are we supposed to have kids? Or am I start planning for my retirement? Like, how to, help me. Speak to me. Lead me. Direct me. And it just seems like there's no answer back. I think in these times, it can kind of feel like um, sort of the winter for our soul. You know what I mean by that? It almost feels like winter. Like Joey and I always joke every year that like we love Christmas. We're all about Christmas. It's so great. But then when January and February hit, it's just like, just kill me now. It's just, it's just like so cold and bleak and dreary, you know? And of course, the weather is not cooperating with my illustration today, you know? It's like God is up in heaven going, oh, cool. Doug's doing an illustration on how cold it is. Sweet. How about 89 degrees? Thank you, Lord, for the backup. Appreciate that. But These months, so often, man, it can be so dreary. And sometimes that is what our soul is like. Let me ask you, does your soul feel like wintertime right now? Does it feel like there's almost no hope for spring? Does it feel just so cold and dreary and bleak because of maybe some unanswered prayer in our lives? I think that this can be so discouraging. Those times can be so frustrating, and I know that they affect us. And like I said, they affect us in a couple of ways. They can build those little walls between us and God or the big ones, right? Uh, I'll give you a couple examples of the little walls. I referenced this a little bit last week. I have permission from the person who said it last week now, though, to share the whole story. There's a woman named Jody who comes to our church, and I shared last week that after the service, she came up to me and said, you know, Doug, I hadn't even realized that I had a wall between me and God. And she gave me permission to share with you what that wall was. Last year at this time, her best friend that she grew up with began to 
take a downward spiral with her health, worse and worse and worse. And she was praying. And Jody has seen God do some pretty cool things. She's seen God heal people. She's seen God do a powerful things. And so she is praying with absolute faith that her friend is going to be healed. And her friend ended up passing away. And she said, Doug, I didn't realize till today that although I still come to church, I still love Jesus. And she comes and serves on one of our teams. And, and she's a worshiper and she loves God. She said, I didn't realize till today that I have built up this wall where I'm afraid to ask God to do anything big anymore. I'm afraid to ask God to heal anybody anymore. That's a little example of a wall that gets built up in our lives because of an answered prayer. Can I just ask you a question? Is there something you've given up on asking God about? You haven't gotten an answer yet. You haven't heard yes, no, or maybe, but you've just given up because you've just gotten tired or sick of it, right? Instead of kind of praying till we hear otherwise, we just sort of say, God, you don't seem to be doing what I'm wanting or at least responding at all. So I'm just not going to ask anymore. And then that little wall gets built up. We still worship. We still read our Bible. Great. But there's still that distance. I can tell you from the last several weeks with what's going on with my wife, I've been tempted to build walls at times. For those of you guys who don't know, Kelly was in the hospital for two and a half weeks. And she went in with all kinds of weird symptoms. And they couldn't figure things out. And I'll share a little bit more about that later. There were lots of ups and downs. Praise God, she's actually home, which is so great. We're so thankful for that, and I so appreciate you guys praying. She's still got a road ahead of her. She's still going through a lot. Her heart rate's still kind of fluctuating a lot. She's dealing with a lot of nausea. She's had some times where she still feels like she could black out. Um, she's actually, we have to kind of like help her learn how to walk again, basically. She can't go anywhere without help. And so she's got a road ahead of her. And through that process, though, I'm so thankful she's home, and that's a whole kind of miracle I'll share with you guys in a few minutes it's still a road ahead of us, and I've had sort of those moments where I'm like, God, why aren't you just, like, doing this? Like, just touch her. Like, don't, who, you don't even need to use the doctors. Don't even worry about it. Just, like, show yourself to be so strong and just heal her. And so I understand that sometimes we get discouraged in those sort of winter seasons of our soul, and it feels like there's not much hope for God to come through. And so some of you have those little walls built up, but some of us, are, our faith's ready to fall apart. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe the reason you're not a follower of Jesus is because you once prayed and asked God to do something and the opposite happened. And you said, well, if he was there, he would have done something. And so I've given up. I have a really good friend that basically that's his story. We both grew up going to the same church, same school. Our parents were really good friends. We both wanted to be pastors. And he went through some really disappointing situations where he prayed that God would do something and the opposite happened. And he just threw in the towel and said, I give up. And so I know how powerful the objection of unanswered prayer can be if we don't address it and we don't talk about what to do when that's what we're feeling. And so tonight I want to talk about that. And, and here's what I want to do. I want to actually look in Daniel chapter 10. And we're going to look at Daniel 10 tonight. And Daniel is a really intense book. And I have to be honest, I don't feel that I'm going to do it justice tonight with the way my world's been a little bit lately. I didn't get to put in the time I would love to put in to tackle a book like Daniel because it's so, so awesome. But in Daniel, God shows Daniel all these incredible visions. He shows him all these incredible things that are like way beyond us. So tonight, I think we're going to be a little bit intrigued. We're going to be looking at stuff, maybe scratching our heads a little bit. But I hope tonight to encourage and inspire you if you kind of feel like you're in one of those seasons where that unanswered prayer has become an objection for you and God. And if you're not there now, you will be someday. And so I hope that this equips you to be ready for those times. And so Daniel chapter 10 verse 1 says this. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belshazzar. So Belshazzar was Daniel's Babylonian name, 
and Daniel was his Hebrew name, okay? And so the Jews were taken captive into Babylonian, so he's kind of got these two different names going on. Uh, my family, over the years, we took in several international students, and we would find a similar thing would happen. Uh, we had this one awesome girl. Many of you got to know her. Um, she was from China, and her parents gave her the name. I believe it was something like this, Xu Yi Huang, right? And when she came here, they called her Emily, because clearly they sound so much alike, right? <laughs> Okay, and so same deal going on here. Daniel, Belshazzar, just different names for different times in different countries. And so here is Daniel, and and in in the next part he says this, its message was true. He's talking about this vision. The, The message of the vision was true and concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food. No meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. So what's going on here? Daniel is intensely seeking God. He is intensely, passionately crying out to God for an answer. So he's fasting some things. He's giving up some things so that his prayer is that much more focused. And so he's given up certain meats, and he's given up certain drinks, and he's given up lotions, which I don't necessarily recommend a lotion fast, okay? <laughs> Especially in the dead of winter, you get a little chaff, get some aloe, it's all right, you know? But here is Daniel basically just saying, okay, I'm going to give these things up. I'm going to seek God passionately for an answer. So he goes on, and I just wonder here as he's, as he's prayed and he's cried out to God, and, and we know that these three weeks he has prayed. And I just wonder, I don't, I don't have any biblical proof to back this up, but I know what I would be thinking if I were Daniel. And, and I just wonder on, on day five of Daniel, as he's fasting, is thinking, is, is an answer going to come? And maybe like day 12, still? Like day 18, he's just getting hangry, you know what I mean? You know, you ever fasted? It is not easy, right? So he's like, come on, I just need a Bobby's burger right now. Like, I just need some food, okay? And so he's hungry, and I just wonder if he, maybe like you and I, stumbled a little bit. I don't know. I don't have anything to back that up. I'm just saying I know that's probably what I would be tempted to do if I was fasting like he's fasted. And I just wonder if he's thinking, is an answer going to come or not? Are any of you there right now? Are any of you in that place where you are praying and you're seeking God? And, and maybe you're even saying, Doug, 21 days, are you kidding me? I've been praying for years about this problem. I've been praying for years that God would heal. I've been praying for years he would put a relationship back together. I've been praying for years that he would provide or lead me or show me what his will is for my life. And maybe we get to that place where we just wonder, is an answer actually going to come? After three weeks, finally a vision came. Verse 4. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, he's explaining this vision here. It's kind of wacky. I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. And so Daniel is here having this crazy vision. And he sees this angelic, heavenly being. Finally an answer. Now, some of you guys might kind of be going, Doug, seriously, we're talking about an angel here, right? And and as we go on in this passage, we're going to talk about fallen angels too, or demons, okay? So I got to pause for a minute and just talk to you today if you're skeptical, because I know if I were you, I'd be sitting in the seat skeptical too, for some of you guys, right? So what's the deal with talking about angels and like the supernatural. Well, you and I, we're, we're natural, right? So there's nothing weird about supernatural. It just means more than natural. You and I are natural. God is supernatural. Angels, demons are supernatural. And so here Daniel has this encounter with a supernatural being. 
And, and I just want to kind of help you wrap your mind around this. The way we always try to encourage people is, you know, you know those times when you're reading the newspaper? I don't know that they actually make those anymore. Um, let me say it this way. You know when you look at what's trending on Facebook um, or you, you watch TV and you see the news, there's always something like some dude stole a car and you kind of go, okay, guy wanted a car. It was a nice car. I might be tempted to steal it too. Okay, that's like I get that one, right? I understand that temptation. But then, don't you see the stories where you're like, how could a person do that to someone else? How could a, someone do that to a child? I don't know about you. I see something behind that. I see a level of evil that doesn't even make sense on a natural level. And so behind that evil, I see, sure, the devil. I see, sure, a demon, a fallen angel. Let me kind of give you a positive example now, though. I would guess many of us in the room would say, I've seen God do some things that I, quite, I can't quite explain. I've seen some like extraordinary stuff that I, I can only give an explanation that God must have done something here. Let me give you an example here. Um, my aunt and her brother, my uncle, were driving home from work. And as they were driving home from work, um, she got into an accident. And he was driving right behind her, in the car right behind. And as soon as they got into the accident, my, my aunt looked up into the rearview mirror and saw that the, her face was completely cut up. The, the windshield had broken in and she was all cut from the glass. She turned to her left and there was a man there. And the man was like just chilling at her door and said, everything is going to be okay. She looked back up to her mirror, saw her face still cut up, looked back, and my uncle was there. And he was going like Hulk mode. Again, he was in the car behind, ripped the car door off and got her out. Are you okay? Are you okay? And she was like, yeah, I'm fine. And she's like, where did that man go? And he's like, what man? And she's like, as soon as I got in the accident, I looked to my left and there was a guy here. And he's like, Vanessa, I was in the car right behind you. I got out of my car. As soon as you hit their car, there was no man here. Maybe an angel. Maybe a supernatural encounter. And so, man, I believe with all my heart that there is a supernatural and that there is uh, an angelic being and there also is a demonic being. And we're going to kind of see both here as we look at this tonight. And so Daniel has this experience with this supernatural. Over the next several verses in Daniel 10, he explains the experience and some really cool stuff. But we're going to jump down to verse 10. It says in verse 10, A hand touched me and sent me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, considered carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. Daniel got an answer. Daniel cried out, and an answer finally came. Look what it says next. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Verse 12 is so important for you if you're in this winter of the soul season. If you've got any walls built up. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. Daniel's prayers were heard all along. Can I encourage you? Your prayers have been heard from the beginning. Your, your prayers, it doesn't always feel like it. Your prayers do not fall on deaf ears. God hears you. God knows what's going on. He understands what you need. He hears the things that you cry out to him. He sees you as you fast and pray. He sees you as you worship and you bring to him the issues of your heart. He hears your prayer. So of course then the objection comes up. Well, what takes so long for the answer to come then? What takes so long? And there's a lot, honestly, there are a few answers to this question. One is sometimes God's timing is just different than ours, right? And so we go, God, I need this now. I need this now, God. Where's my wife? Where's my husband? Where's the loan? Where's the kids? Where's the mortgage? Where's the... He's going, not yet. If I gave that to you now, it would be really bad for you. Not yet. 
And sometimes God says no, right? And that's a really good thing. Because like we've talked about in the past, sometimes we ask God for things that would be terrible for us. I'll give you a silly example. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a gas station attendant. Before credit cards, everybody gave the cash, the, the cash to the gas station attendant. And you'd roll up in your car, and this dude would have a big, fat roll of bills. And I was like, those guys are rich. I want to be a gas station attendant. I am so thankful God did not honor that request. And there are times in our lives we're going, God, this is really what I want. This is really what I want. He's saying, no, that's not what you want. Tim Keller said something like this, and I know I'm messing this up. He said something like this. If we could see everything the way God sees it, we would pray very different prayers. We could see what God sees. We wouldn't maybe ask for those things. And so some of the things we're asking for are not good for us, and God lovingly says no, or it's not the right time, and he says, wait, but there's another thing that we have to look at tonight. There's something else we have to see here in these verses that hinders our prayers being answered. And it can cause these objections of unanswered prayer. And so look at verse 13. Daniel just told us, or the angel just told Daniel, your prayers have been heard, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. What does this mean? What does this verse mean? Well, remember who's telling Daniel this news. It's an angel. A physical person can't resist an angel And so what we understand about this is that this is a spiritual prince, or some translations actually say that, but the spirit prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. So this is a fallen angel. This is a demon resisting the angel coming in response to the prayer to give the answer to Daniel. And so Daniel's prayed. This fallen angel's come against him. This battle is going on that Daniel couldn't see. So you know what? Maybe the answer to your prayer hasn't come yet because it's not God's time. Maybe it hasn't come yet because it'd be bad for you. Or maybe it hasn't come yet because there's a battle going on around us we don't see. And we don't talk about very much, do we? We don't think about all that much. I got to be honest, as a pastor, I don't get up every day and being like, all right, got to get ready for battle today. Right? Just like, all right, God, use me today. Help this be a good day. I don't think like, Okay, there's a devil who hates me. There's a devil who wants to take me out. There's a devil who wants me to fall. He wants to make me a fool of myself. He wants none of my prayers to be answered. He hates when my prayers are answered. That's the reality around you and me. Now, we don't have to be fearful, and we'll see why in just a minute, but Gleason Archer said this. He said, the powers of evil apparently have the capacity to bring about hindrances and delays even of the delivery of the answers to believers whose requests God is minded to answer. So there's this battle going on. There's a war going on. Now, some of you guys might say, but Doug, this is the Old Testament, right? This is before Jesus came and died and rose again. So when Jesus came and died and rose again, didn't like everything change? I mean, didn't Jesus destroy Satan? And, and so Satan has zero authority and can't do anything anymore. Well, I think this is the way this goes. The, the victory is won, but there's still a battle going on. And that's all under God's control. I mean, if Jesus said over, it'd be over. But... Jesus is allowing a battle to remain. And I think largely for you and I to be as close to him as we can. Through the last several weeks, I've had temptations to build up a wall between me and God. But at the same time, in a weird way, there's been some times where I've said, God, thank you for what we're going through because I feel so close to you. Sometimes in the heat of the battle, we actually feel the closest to God when we're seeking him. And so for some of us, the answer is continue to seek God. There's still a battle going on. Let me give you a little New Testament proof here. We're going to look at a couple of verses here that just show us the battle's still going on. Ephesians 6, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So there's still a battle going on. There's still darkness around us. There's still a battle to fight in prayer. James 4, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Now, Jesus' death on the cross makes that verse possible, that we can resist the devil, and he'll flee from us. And I just want to encourage you, don't ever resist the devil on your own strength. You don't got what it takes. It's Jesus in you. It's the Holy Spirit in you that has what it takes. And so that gives us the ability and the power to resist the devil, and he flees from us as we come close to God and he comes near to us. So there's still a battle going on. So let's jump back to Daniel now. Daniel knows this battle's going on. The angel was detained. And then in verse 13, we see this in Daniel chapter 10. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. So I don't understand all of this exactly, but apparently the angel that had been sent by God to give the answer to Daniel needed some backup. So he called in like the John Cena of all angels, right? Michael shows up and boom, takes care of it. Mic drop and the answer is coming now to Daniel. Now verse 14 says this, now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. This was the answer Daniel started out looking for. This is what he was praying for. This is what he was fasting for. Give me an, exa- uh, uh, give me an answer, God. Give me wisdom. Um, help me understand and unravel what's going to happen. And, and the answer, actually, I don't want to get all into it today. It's really interesting. It's about Israel's future. But what I want to really celebrate is that the answer came. The answer came. Daniel saw it intensely, and the answer came. And I think that's part of the answer for you and for me. You know what I love about Daniel? I love that he didn't give up on day five. He didn't give up on day 10. He didn't give up on day 17 or 18. Morning of day 21, he didn't give up. I just wonder, guys, maybe have we not seen some answers in our lives because we gave up on day 20. We gave up seeking God when Man, we were so close. And I know we couldn't see that answer yet. So, you know, this isn't like to condemn anybody. I'm talking to myself here today too. I wonder how many things I've missed out on in prayer because I just got tired and I just gave up and I just built a little bit of a wall. And I see here Daniel persevering. And you know what? I don't know how it all works. I don't know how Daniel's prayer and fasting makes an impact on this spiritual battle going on, but I know that it does. And here's what else I know. I know that your prayer does too. When you pray, when you cry out to God, when you fast, your prayers make a difference in that spiritual battle going on as well. And so what I wanna challenge you guys with today, what I think we see here in this story, is that when it comes to these objections of unanswered prayer, don't just ignore them. Don't just kind of let them keep haunting you and building this wall between you and God, no matter how little or big it is. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. Seek God intensely about unanswered prayer. Seek God intensely about unanswered prayer. Don't just let it remain. No, get it answered. He's going to say yes. He's going to say no. Or he's going to say wait. But don't just give up till you hear one of those. Pray until you hear otherwise. Ask until you hear God say, all right, I'm going to give you this because this is going to be good for you and it's going to put me on display in the world. Or no, this would be terrible for you. Or you know what? Yes, but wait, just hang in there. You're not ready or they're not ready or it's not ready, but it's going to be great. Just hang in there. Now, 
Some of you guys would say, yeah, but see, Doug, this story kind of has like a nice bow at the end because Daniel got what he wanted. He wanted an answer and he got an answer. Here's what I want to encourage you with. We win no matter how God answers. If he says yes, we win because, cool, we get to see God do an amazing thing. There's nothing like seeing God answer prayer. But if he says no or he says wait, then he's protecting us from what would be bad for us. And so we win. I know that's hard for us sometimes when it's like, yeah, but I've been praying for years to find my spouse, haven't found him yet. I've been praying for years that we'd be able to have kids, haven't been able to do that. I've been praying for years that God would use use me effectively in my neighborhood or in my office. I haven't seen that yet. And I just want to see these things so badly. But everything God does is good. Everything God does is right. His timing is perfect. So we win either way. But having said that, I want to inspire you to seek God intensely. What does this look like? I want to challenge you to pray daily about that thing you gave up on. What have you stopped asking God for? What have you just stopped? What have you given up on? Maybe it's that someone that you love would come to know him, and you're like, their heart's just too hard. Maybe it's that provision, or it's that leading, or it's that healing. What have you given up on? I want to encourage you to pray daily about that thing. Some of you need to fast. Some of you need to give some things up. Some of you need to give up food for a season. Or maybe every day you give up a certain meal and you just cry out to God. And, and Jimmy and Lee, a couple of guys at our church, were talking about this whole fasting and prayer thing. And Jimmy said, you know, fasting without prayer, that's just called a diet, right? So don't just give something up and not pray. No, give something up and cry out to God in that time. For me, um, food is good and all to give up, but I think one of the greatest things I can give up is my TV because that's my, one of my biggest distractions in life. Another great one for me is social media because I can waste so much time on it. I love you all, but don't really want to see all that. You know, I just, I waste too much time, you know? And so just giving up things that get in the way and saying, God, I need to see an answer here. God, show me what you're trying to say and what you're trying to do in all this. Some of us, we just need to kind of create an atmosphere in our home or our car or wherever we are where God can just show up. So whatever that means for you, playing worship music throughout your drive to and from school or filling your home with it. Um, something Kelly and I have been doing is just listening to or reading a ton of scripture as we're going through this. Last night, actually, Kelly fell asleep with just uh, the, the YouVersion Bible app just playing scripture as she's falling asleep. Just get it going in your house. Whatever it takes for you to be able to experience God and see him come through. I can tell you that over the last few weeks, there's been some moments where it's been really difficult to continue on. And I've felt those moments where with Kelly, things are just at times seemingly so hopeless and, and so sort of that winter of the soul season that it's like, I don't even have what it takes to keep going. But I'm so glad that we have continued to seek God through it. Let's give you a couple of examples of those times. Um, for me, probably the lowest of the low was a few weeks ago. Kelly had been in the hospital, I would say maybe seven or eight days. And the neurologist had come in and basically said, I can't do anything for you. We've done everything we know to do. And so I'm just going to leave you in the hands of the cardiologists. And that was like a little difficult because it's kind of like you, you kind of almost become friends with these doctors and you look forward to seeing them come in and you're looking for a new answer or a new hope. And at that point, they hadn't figured out what's going on with Kelly. So to see one of them just sort of go was really hard. And then later that same day, the cardiologist came in and said, five of us have seen you. We can't figure out what's going on. And almost through tears said, we don't know what else to say or do. And I had been really strong. 
hadn't shown emotion up to that point, but I cried there. And I lost it because I felt so hopeless. I felt like, what now? How, how is Kelly going to get better? What are we going to do? And we started thinking, and do we transfer her to the city? Do we, like, what do we do? We kind of got into like, all right, let's just make this happen. And, and I just felt so hopeless in all that. But we continued to pray. We continued to cry out to God. And it was later that day that the neurologist is just driving and suddenly hits him. Wait a minute. Could it be this offshoot of Guillain-Barre syndrome? And he was back that night doing a spinal tap. And she was on this five-day plasma treatment. And she's suddenly in ICU getting treatment and there's hope again. So fast forward a few more days, another low for us. I know this sounds like a strange low, but it was actually the day that she was taken out of the ICU. Because coming out of ICU, that sounds like a great step, but she went back to a room and we got back to this room and her roommate was this old lady and she was just screaming and yelling and cursing. She's cursing at me. I'm like, what I do to you? She's like cursing at me. She's screaming and Kelly just loses it and just starts crying and she feels terrible and she's completed the treatment, but she's not really better yet. And here we are and, and it's late at night. And so they move us from one room with a crazy lady to another room with another old crazy lady. And this lady screaming and yelling and cursing at the nurses. I felt so bad. And the nurses there were so great. And the doctors were so good to us. And this lady's just screaming. I never in my life was so tempted to punch a 98-year-old woman in the face. I mean, it's not a common temptation I have. And I probably shouldn't have said that out loud. But, oh. And so I remember driving home that night. And I just felt so strongly like, we got to get her out of there. We had received great care, and, and I'm so thankful for all those people did. But I just had this sense, like, we got to get her home. But I didn't know how to do that. Like, what do you do? You know, I mean, just run in the middle of the night and unhook her IV and grab her and run out the door. I think i get a little bit in trouble for that. I don't know. Pastor arrested. Like, I don't know. Like, and so I'm just so discouraged, and I'm, I'm home, and I'm just all night. I'm just wrestling, and I'm praying, and I'm, I wake up the next day, and I just I call Kelly. I'm like, hon, we have to get you home. And she's like, how though? And I'm like, I don't know how. Like, like technically, she probably isn't even well enough to get her out of there yet. And yet she's getting no sleep and she's not eating and she's throwing up all day every day. And she, I just knew we had to get her out of there and try to get her rest. I just remember walking out of my house. And as I'm walking out of my house, I see this stupid little piece of grass that's growing in my mulch. Some of you guys not, might not even be able to see it. And of course, I can't get grass to grow on my lawn. It grows in my mulch, right? But I'm walking past it, and I just see this stupid little blade of grass. And I'm thinking, that blade of grass made it through 15 inches of snow last week. It made it through subarctic temperatures and wind and rain over the last week. And that piece of snow right next to it, it is defying it and will continue to live. And I felt like that was a little bit of a picture of my faith in that moment. Like that's all I had, but maybe it was enough to defy the odds and to defy the pain and to defy what seemed hopeless. And so I prayed and I just got in my car and began to drive back. And within 10 minutes, I got a phone call from Kelly saying, I'm coming home. I was like, how? How are you coming home? She said, the doctor came in this morning. I just told him I need to go home. And so we spent the day there working with getting her released and making sure this doctor signed off and that doctor signed off. And honestly, my first thought when she said she was coming home was, but I have to clean the house. It was in bachelor mode. And Kelly's going to kill me. She's going to go from getting released from a hospital to going to prison, right? But in in those moments, I was just so thankful that by God's grace, we just kept praying. 
We just kept going when it felt like there was no hope. And Kelly still has a long road ahead of her. In fact, I'm, I'm probably getting off the stage and going home because she can't be by herself right now. She needs somebody with her to help her walk, to, to just be there to monitor her heartbeat and all that kind of stuff. And it's a, it's a difficult time still. But I'm so grateful for what God did. And kind of my favorite Kelly moment through this whole thing is one night, middle of the night, we just were like, I'm talking like battle, hardcore praying, man. I mean, we definitely, you could think I'm crazy. We, we definitely know there's a physical aspect, but we believe there's a huge spiritual aspect to what she's going through. And so we are crying out to God, and we're, we're like just having church in the, ho- in the hotel. I wish it was a hotel, in the hospital. The crazy, the crazy lady in the room next to us, so she's like, this is like a hotel. I'm like, okay, crazy woman. I'm going to punch you in the, no, no. Um, and so I'm crying, we're crying out to God. We're having church in the middle of the hospital, we're playing worship music, we're reading scripture out loud, we're like praying in the spirit, we're just like, whatever it takes. And I just remember this one moment, and Kelly didn't even remember she said this, but we got done, and we'd been praying, and I knew she just needed to try to get some rest. And she just kind of reached down at her feet and grabbed the covers, and she kind of pulled them up over herself, and she looked at me, and she said, I ain't going out without a fight. And I know that's what some of you need in you tonight to not go down without a fight, to not go down easy, to not give up on the healing, to not give up on the provision, to not give up on him speaking and leading and delivering. Some of us have given up the fight. And it's that cold winter of our soul and all we have maybe is like a little blade of grass worth of faith left, but maybe that's enough. And so what do you need to pray about again? What do you need to bring to him Again, And he may say no, or he may say wait, and that's a good thing because he sees what we don't see. But think about it this way. If we give up, we're going to see nothing. But if we pursue him, we're going to see some yeses. We're going to see some answered prayer. We're going to see him coming through and saying, yes, I will do this. I will heal. I will provide. I will show up. I will put that relationship back together. I'm confident that as we seek him, as we intently seek him for, about, for the, these unanswered prayer categories, we're going to see him show up. And I know we need that. There's nothing like seeing Jesus say yes. And so will you approach him? And will you bring him the needs that you have? If you're not a follower of Jesus tonight, I would love for you to put your trust in him. Jesus died on the cross to remove our sin, but also to give us the ability to approach our Father in heaven and say, I need this, God. Help me. Answer this prayer. And so if you want to put your trust in him tonight, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a minute. But if you're a follower of Jesus, don't let a wall be built up. And sometimes it feels like the winter of our soul, man, but spring's coming, right? And maybe it's just a little blade of grass of faith we have, but it might be enough. And so will you bring those things to God again and see him show up? Let's pray. God, we are so grateful, Lord, that you are a God that does answer prayer. God, we're thankful that even though we don't like it all the time, Sometimes you say no because you know what's better. And sometimes you say wait because you have a perfect timing. But God, you say yes. God, we thank you that you say yes. And God, I just pray for us tonight that we will have what it takes tonight to bring to you the needs of our heart, to bring to you those things we've given up on and to fight for them in prayer. That maybe, just maybe, there's a battle going on that we aren't aware of. And the answer is maybe a day away or maybe a month away or maybe even a year away. But God, we want to have what it takes by your grace to fight for that. And so we want to seek you intensely about these unanswered prayers. 
So if you're a Christian, would you begin doing that? If you're not a follower of Jesus, I would love for you to put your trust in him tonight. And so if you'd like to do that, would you just pray something like this quietly? Jesus, please forgive me for my sin. Thank you for your love. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for this gift of salvation that I don't deserve. God, show me how real you are. Show me how you answer prayer. Thank you for all that you want to do in my life. In your name.